I'm going to do just the opposite of what Bill did. Don't close your eyes. That's a, you ever heard a preacher ask you to close your eyes? That'd be a dangerous thing, wouldn't it? Don't get too comfortable. Um, Tacoma, Washington, a motorcycle officer named Terry Filbert pulled over a car that had just started out. The family basset hound, Tattoo, had managed to get his leash caught in one of the doors and Tattoo wasn't supposed to make the journey. So the car door shuts, the cop sees Tattoo running faster than Tattoo had ever run before in his life, trying to keep up with the car going down the road. He was rescued before things got too fast. No news if Chevy Chase was the driver of the car or not. You ever felt like Tattoo? Ever felt like you were just moving too fast and just being drug along and life was just speeding and going faster and faster and you were doing your best to keep up, but you couldn't. John Ortberg, author and pastor, tells a story of feeling overwhelmed and exhausted and distant from God and like tattoo going too fast and maybe missing everything in his speed. And he went to a very close friend that he admired and he said, what do I need to do? And he explained his feeling and I want to be spiritually healthy again. What do I do? And his friend answered, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Ruthlessly eliminate hurry. Ortberg thought about it for a minute and said, okay, that's a good one, what else? And his friend said, there is nothing else. Today, we're going to talk about being too busy for God. Before we do that, let's pray together. Lord, thank you that we are here when there's a world of people too busy to be in their churches today. Thank you, Father, that every day we are in your presence if we would just be aware and forgive us if we've been too busy on a Sunday or any other day of the week for you. Father, you are wanting us to spend time with you. So be close to us now as we do and every day in solitude as we seek you. Let that be a priority in our busy days. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We begin in a story from Luke. In this story, we see Jesus's, uh, are the reactions of men to the call of God to spend time with him. Beginning at verse 16 of Luke 14. Jesus said, someone gave a great dinner and invited many. At the time for the dinner, he sent his slave to say to those who'd been invited, Come for everything is ready now. But they all began to make excuses. The first said to him, I've bought a piece of land and I must go out and see it. Please accept my regrets. Another said, I bought five yoke of oxen and I'm going to try them out. Please accept my regrets. Another said, I've just been married and therefore I cannot come. So the slave returned, reported this to his master, and the owner of the house became angry. 
and said to his slave, go out once into the streets and lanes of the town, bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. And the slave said, sir, what you've ordered has been done, and there's still room. And the master said to the slave, go out into the roads and lanes and compel people to come so that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those who were invited will taste my dinner. There's a lot to this story besides the examples we're gonna focus on. There's, well, there's history of the first invitees being the Jewish people and after their reluctance, the Gentiles become invited and the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame as they're called, that's us, uh, Gentiles in verse 21 and thank God. But the Pharisees tended to regard everybody as unclean and unworthy that weren't just like them. And the religious leaders were mad at Jesus. They condemned him because he had associations with sinners. But in this instance of the story, we're gonna look at the people that were invited to come and be with God in his great feast. And some were too busy. And we see their excuses I've bought a piece of land and I must go out and see it. Please accept my regrets. You see any flaw to this excuse? If you bought a piece of land, wouldn't you have seen it before you bought it? And if you bought it, isn't it too late to do anything about it? So it really doesn't hold up. Won't the land be there after the party? And then the next one, I bought five yoke of oxen and I'm gonna try them out. Please accept my regrets. Again, wouldn't you have tried them out before you bought them? Sure they would have. They weren't going to work a piece of equipment. I lived in farm country for years. And those farmers are gonna try out a piece of equipment before they buy it. I love this one. I've been mar- just been married and I cannot come. I'm assuming that's the man responding to this. And let me just give you a secret to to husband 101. We love taking our wives to places we don't have to pay for. Somebody say amen or Jerome. I mean, we love that. I mean, to go on somebody else's dime is a fabulous thing. And so I don't buy this excuse either. But if we're all honest, there's some days that we miss what God has for us because we're too busy too and we have excuses. One of the reasons I'm convinced that Jesus came 2,000 years ago is because cell phones hadn't been invented yet and he didn't want to have to deal with it. In our busyness, and, and we do this and we see this. We go to restaurants and we look at tables and instead of talking to one another, what are they doing? They're in their devices talking to who knows where, who knows who, who knows where families of it and I try not to be guilty of that I remember being in a hospital in Cincinnati Ohio visiting with a friend and we were in the middle of something a friend of mine we had given him our church bus and he was driving it back to Mississippi and the tires were dry rotted and the exhaust fell off and he kept calling me and I was so thankful it was gone and but my friend was mad at me and so I had to answer the phone and talk to him and after five or six times answering my, friend, my phone, my friend Donald, who's in heaven now, says to his wife, he sure is busy. 
It had made me feel about that tall because my attention was not focused on Donald and that ministry and that opportunity there. It was focused everywhere. And sometimes it's probably a good idea to turn these off, isn't it? And to leave them at home and to throw them in the lake. Maybe not that, but sometimes it's tempting. There's always competition for our time. And sometimes good things can keep us from even better things. C.S. Lewis wrote this. He said, the moment you wake up each morning, all your wishes and hopes for the day rush at you like wild animals. And the first job each morning consists of shoving it all back and listening to that other voice, taking that other point of view, letting that other larger, stronger, quieter life come flowing in. What C.S. Lewis is saying is, don't be too busy for God. That should be our priority. But there are always distractions. And I've always contended that maybe Satan's biggest weapon against our lives is distraction to keep us from what really matters. Remember Jesus visiting Mary and Martha? Luke tells the story in chapter 10. As they went on their way, he entered a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. He was a priority and he's in my home, thought Martha. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he was saying. But then after welcoming into her home, Martha was distracted by her many tasks. Mary's sitting with Jesus and Martha's making the salad She came to Jesus and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has let me to do all this work by myself? Tell her then to help me. You know this story well. I'm convinced that that's why Jesus let Lazarus die, just so he could have a break from Mary and Martha for a little while. Don't know if it's true, but that's what I'm convinced of. So Martha's just letting Jesus have, you know, do something about this. Settle our family feud. Jesus looked at her and told her not what she wanted to hear. Martha, Martha, you're worried and you're distracted by many things and there's need of only one. Mary has chosen the better part which will not be taken away from her. Can you relate? Sure you can, we all can. We're easily distracted and we have so much to do but we have to be disciplined to stop. I've shared this story before, but it's the best one I have about needing to stop. We were in our home in Ackerman, Mississippi, and our kids were little, and a friend who worked for the railroad gave us a huge cardboard tube that was used to put newsprint on. And I got in the tube. We were playing, and we had a long, sloping front yard that went at least from here to the front door, maybe further. And so gravity took over and I began to roll. And then inertia took over and I began to roll really quickly. And I get dizzy on merry-go-round. I'm, I'm not really good at this. And so I'm flying and I'm ill and Taylor and Ellen are running and trying to keep up and Jeannie's laughing hysterically in the background. And as I'm rolling out of control, 
I didn't know how to stop it. There are no brakes on cardboard tubes, not this one. We had the economy model and there was no way for me to stop. And I'm thinking as I'm up and down and up and down, there's trees, there's huge hickory trees at the bottom, and then there's Commerce Street, and then there's the ditch. Finally, gravity slowed down, and I bailed out, and that's been 28 years ago. And I'll never forget the feeling of not being able to stop. It was terrifying. It's important to know how to stop. So important that God set aside the Sabbath for you and for me to do just that, to stop and to know. And not just the Sabbath, but you and I have such needs that daily we need to connect. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 contains three words that help us connect that we ought to be doing. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We're to pray without ceasing. Those are life-changing words. And to do that, we have to make an effort. To do that, we have to train our brain. We ought to do it. Carl Jung wrote that hurry is not of the devil. Hurry is the devil. Viktor Frankl wrote, Unless a man wishes to drown, he has to become selective. That is to say, he has to become able to select when to turn on the TV set and when to turn it off, what books and what journals to read and what to throw in the wastebasket. Selectiveness means that we have to be responsible for what is important and what is not, what is essential and what is not, what is valuable, what is not, what is meaningful and what is not. We have to become capable of such decision making. And it is a process, isn't it? We learn to be selective. I don't know where this quote came from, but I've saved it for years. For many of us, the great danger is not that we will renounce our faith. It is that we will become so distracted and rushed and preoccupied that we will settle for a mediocre version of it. When we don't give God our best, we will have a mediocre version of faith. In the 1960s, Time Magazine, you might remember seeing this, reported that because of advances in technology, that by the 1980s, almost 40 years ago, people would have to cut back on how many hours a week they worked, how many weeks a year they worked, and retirement would come very, very early. The great challenge they predicted would be what we would do with all of our free time. Time magazine was wrong. Our plates are full. Because we're in a hurry, we go to places like McDonald's, not because they sell good food and not because they sell cheap food, but because they sell fast food. Domino's built a business not because of pizza, but because they guaranteed they could get it to you in 30 minutes or less. The CEO once said, we don't sell pizza, we sell delivery. We're like hamsters on a wheel. The question then comes, how did Jesus handle his busy schedule? Read the Gospels and see how people were after him all the time. Wherever he went, whatever he did, they were after him and after him and after him. How did he do it? 
Look at Mark chapter 6. I love the teaching in this. He called the 12 who were going to be busy boys and began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over unclean spirits. He ordered them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money for their belts. Trust me, he said, but to wear sandals and not to put on two tunics. He said to them, wherever you enter a house, stay until you leave the place. If any place will not welcome you and they refuse to hear you, as you leave, shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and proclaimed that all should repent and they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and they cured them and you likely know that story. Do you know the rest of the story? Do you know what Jesus had them do when they came back and reported of their events? Look at this, verse 30 of Mark 6. The apostles gathered around Jesus and told him all that had been done and taught and they had to be excited. It had to be a great meeting. But verse 31 is life-changing to me. Do you know what happens in verse 31? Look at this. After all of this busyness, he said to them, come away to his deserted place all by yourselves and rest a while. For many were coming and going and they had no leisure even to eat. Aren't those beautiful words? Come away to a deserted place all by yourselves and rest a while. Maybe it's as simple as turning your phone off sometimes. Maybe it's a prayer closet at your house. Maybe it's the backyard. Maybe you have another place to go. Maybe it's just closing your eyes and being aware that it's just you and God. Aren't you worth it? Isn't your relationship with God worth it? Let's pray together. God, in busy, hectic days, we pray that we would have time for you. In a life that is good, let us choose the best. From the youngest in this room to the oldest in this room, Father, help us to make time for you. Father, I know how difficult it can be. Bless parents with young children it's a full-time job. Bless those that are taking care of loved ones. It's a full-time job. Bless those working to make ends meet. It's maybe more than one full-time job. But Father, you, as a loving Father, want to spend time with us as well. Help us to make time every day, Lord. Help us to make time to come away to a deserted place and rest a while. Let that happen in our lives so we can know you better. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We are gonna sing a hymn of commitment this morning, just a time of reflection. Uh, if you wanna join the church during this time, you can. Uh, another way you can is by just filling out a connect card and we would love for you to fill out one of those. They're in the pew, they're in the welcome center, they're in the foyer so we can have a record of your visit or if you have a prayer request, you can leave that with us. But during this time, we're just gonna stand and sing our closing prayer together. Take time to be holy. Take time to be holy. 
Thank you. You may be seated. 